0: would please uh, turn in the Bible to Matthew chapter 1, verses 18 to 25, which you'll find on page 807 in the Pew Bible. Matthew chapter 1, we're going to look this morning at uh, verses 18 to 25. You'll also find it written out in the program if you want to follow there on page 8. Please stand. Now the birth of Jesus Christ took place in this way. When his mother Mary had been betrothed to Joseph, before they came together, she was found to be with child from the Holy Spirit. And he called his name Jesus. The word of the Lord. Gracious Heavenly Father, please send your gracious spirit upon us as we open the Bible today, this Lord's Day. We pray, Heavenly Father, that your spirit would open our ears and hearts and give us grace, Father, that we might hear your voice as you speak to us for your son's sake. Amen. Amen. Please be seated. Like I said, uh, Christmas Sunday is a very, very special opportunity to to pull together two different, very, very important things. Uh, earlier today, uh, Paul Hargrove coined the phrase a mashup. What we have this morning is a Christian mashup. Two things that usually are separate, but are today being dealt with in a very focused way. Uh, and to give you a little illustration of this, the other night. Uh, we weren't here, my family was out sick, but we had our Christmas pageant, which has become a much-loved tradition, we've only been doing it a few years lately, uh, but it's become very dear to those of us who've been able to participate, and it's a wonderful thing to see the children here running around having a wonderful time, learning this story that some of us have known for a long time, but it's a beautiful thing, and we rearranged the chancel area here, and the kids came up and, and acted out this beautiful story, and it's just the way we always set it up, but we put the manger right here. My son-in-law, I think, helped put together the manger a few years ago, and we're still using it. This manger we assembled right here in the middle of the uh, area in front here. We pushed all the other furniture to one side and made way for the manger, and the children came up, and it was a beautiful thing. But one of the striking images of that is the manger here, and then above it, In the shadows, as it happens, because we sort of adjust the lights a little bit, above it is the cross. And you see, looking through the manger, you see in our sanctuary a representation of the cross of Christ. And I think there's power in that illustration, and it's something I'd like for us to think about this Christmas Sunday morning. As we look through the manger... We don't just look at the manger. We look through the manger at what Christ came into the world to do. Why was he born? I'd like for us to think about that. Two different things. The birth of Jesus Christ, first of all. And secondly, we should think today about his saving purpose. And if we do these two things, we will be pulling together Christmas and the Lord's Day. Let's think, first of all, about the birth of Jesus Christ. If you don't mind, make sure you have the Bible open in front of you. I want you to make sure that you know uh, this is not uh, something I've made up. It's not something the PCA's made up. It's not something that Hallmark made up. Uh, This is something that we read about in the Bible. And so it's important that we know what's being described here is given to us in God's Word, starting at verse 19. Now, the birth of Jesus Christ took place in this way. Now I'd like you to pause for a moment. And I think this may be the last time I mention my Greek class. Uh, <laughs> Alright, so be of good cheer. We'll start off the new year and I'll mention Greek a little bit less. Um, but if you looked at verse 18 in Greek, you would see that the word translated here as birth is actually the word Genesis. So what's going to be described here is not just the birth. In fact, as we read through it in a moment, you'll see very little is said about the birth. But a great deal is said about the Genesis, the origins, the beginning of Jesus before he is born. In fact, we only read that he was born at the, at the, towards the end of the passage, uh, down in verse uh, the second half of verse uh, 24. Uh, sorry, verse 21 uh, in tw- through 24, where we read that uh, Jesus... Uh, sorry, verse 25, I'll find it. There, there in verse 25, Matthew says that uh, Joseph knew Mary not until she'd given birth to a son. Again, Genesis. That, that's the only real reference to Jesus' birth is in this little phrase at the end of one sentence towards the end of the paragraph. What actually Matthew spends a great deal of time describing is the beginning of Jesus, because as Matthew records these words by the power of the Holy Spirit, his emphasis is not simply on the details of Jesus' birth. In fact, we're left with the impression that the actual birth looked like any other birth. I've had the privilege of being in the room for the birth of my five kids Some of you have been in the room when your children were born and uh, all you moms were there. uh, One or two dads are able to do that. And it's it's an amazing thing to see. And the impression is left that in terms of the actual birth, Jesus' birth was like every other human birth. What was unique about Jesus' birth was his beginning. Both Matthew and Luke record... That Jesus had a very significant birth beginning Genesis in this important sense. Joseph was not Jesus' father. That could have been a miniature scandal. We read about the fact that Joseph was aware of the fact this would be a scandalous thing. And and a woman who hadn't even been married, she was just betrothed, that means engaged, Uh, and she is with child. Joseph discovers it, and he's a nice guy, a just man, it says. He doesn't want to cause her to be scandalized and, and uh, held in ill repute. So Joseph decides he's not going to say anything. He's just going to quietly divorce her. And uh, he's doing this as a kindness to Mary in their culture. That would have been a devastating thing for her. And so Joseph, out of kindness to Mary, decides he'll he'll do this in a quiet way. But we read in verse 20, verse 20 that as he's thinking about this, how he'll do it, it says, An angel of the Lord appeared to him in a dream, saying, Joseph, son of David, uh, do not fear to take Mary as your wife, for that which is conceived in her is from the Holy Spirit. So here an angel in a dream tells Joseph what an angel told Mary, In Luke chapter 1, uh, they both get an explanation of this unusual beginning, this unusual genesis. The the significant thing about Jesus' birth was not the actual delivery, which was like every other human delivery. What was unusual was the father of that baby was not Joseph, the guy who was there, the person who was responsible was god through the holy spirit working this miracle i had a seminary professor years and years ago who didn't believe in the virgin birth and he used to say the reason he doesn't believe in the virgin birth was because that's not the way birth happens and uh and i i remember thinking even then as a young seminarian well duh uh no that's not the way birth usually happens this Genesis, this beginning, this conception, this this miracle is so unusual that it's actually written down in the Bible. It is unusual. And it's the fact that it is unusual that makes it so important for us. And it's not important because of its unusualness. It's important because what it tells us about Jesus. This baby who had a normal human delivery, was the Son of God by the Holy Spirit. This baby that we celebrate his birth today, this baby who came into the world, this baby is God enfleshed. The tradition teaches us and helps us to understand what's being described here, that that the Lord Jesus received his flesh from his mother Mary, He's given his being by the Holy Spirit. And they're made one. They're one. There's one Jesus. One perfect Christ. God and human in one. And so what we're celebrating today is the birth of the God-man. The birth of Jesus of Nazareth, born in Bethlehem in a stall. We all know the story. This baby is God in the flesh. Uh, Paul talked about this being the Feast of the Incarnation. and It's absolutely right. This Lord's Day, we celebrate not only Jesus' resurrection, but we celebrate his Genesis, his beginning, his origins. So the birth of Jesus matters. I do want to say again what I said last night. Some of you will have heard this before, but it's so important. This idea of Genesis shows up a couple of times. In the opening sections of Matthew's gospel, I want to suggest to you that's not an accident. It's not just Greek uh, random Greek uh, curiosity, because Matthew has a concern. He wants us to know that this baby was born not only to show us the beauty of birth and the wonders of of the miracle of the incarnation, but this baby is the firstborn of all creation, Paul tells us in Colossians chapter 1. In fact, in Colossians chapter 1 verse 15, Paul actually says Jesus is the beginning. He is the Genesis. He is the the firstborn from the dead. That is the resurrection that uh, Jesus shows us. Uh, In the rest of the gospel, that that Jesus who died on the cross was raised from the dead. We remember that today, and it's that baby who was born. It's the firstborn of all creation, the firstborn of the new creation. If you know the gospel of Matthew, you'll know in chapter 2, we immediately turn and we read about the wise men. And we all know that. We've seen all the Christmas cards and seen the Christmas specials. And it's a beautiful thing to think about. The king's coming and and the star in the sky. And that's beautiful in and of itself. But the significance of the star is extremely important. You see, Jesus' birth, his genesis, is the beginning of this new creation. And the star is a glimpse into the, the same God who created the stars in Genesis chapter 1 is shown using a star to point towards his son. We'll read through the rest of the gospel of Matthew about how Jesus shows himself to be the the firstborn of this new creation. We time things. We we number our years to this day by the life of Jesus. When I was a kid, I thought A.D., which you read about in dates today. This is the year 2022 A.D. I thought A.D. meant after death when I was a kid. And I learned that A.D. does not stand for after death, as you no doubt know by now. It stands for Anno Domini, the year of the Lord. And this is a description of the beginning of the years of the Lord. And here. 2,022 years later. Approximately. Give or take. To base, based on how they came up with the dating. But. 2,022 years or so. We have been celebrating. The coming of Christ. The, these are all the years of Christ. And until he returns again. We will still be living the years of Christ. He, he did die. But he was raised again. And now. This Christmas. We celebrate his resurrection. This baby who, was, who died has been raised. And now we live in light of his life. This is his year. And next year will be his year. We celebrate his birth. It's a lot bigger than just a birthday party for a person that we like. It's the birth of the new creation as Jesus came into the world. The incarnation, his beginning, is truly a new beginning for all things. And one day, according to Revelation, we will see the fullness, the consummation of this new creation. And we're celebrating it now in anticipation of the great day when Christ will return for his second advent, his second coming, when he comes in glory. Glory. As king and judge of the world. So the birth of Jesus Christ. That's our first point. Let's remember that this Christmas Sunday. But let's also make note of his saving purpose. Because this really is more than a birthday party. This is a birthday party with a very specific purpose. Look down at verse 21. This is what the angel said to Joseph. And by the way, the angel said something very similar to Mary. But here, Matthew, with his particular focus, records these words being delivered in a dream to Joseph. Verse 21, he says to the uncertain Joseph, She will bear a son, and you shall call his name Jesus. I have five kids we have now six grandkids, never has an angel come to us and said, you'll name your child this. (laughs) For most human parents, you choose names based on family connections. You choose names based on friends. You may even choose names based on a favorite character in a TV show. Uh, All kinds of reasons people give babies names. All kinds of perfectly good reasons. But here... The angel tells Joseph, as he told Mary, that you'll name your baby Jesus. Fortunately, that was a good Jewish name. uh, Jesus is the Greek form of Joshua. Uh, You might pronounce it more like Yeshua, Yeshua. And whenever you hear the Y sound in a word that has Hebrew origins, Uh, That Y, or that J as it's written out in in Greek, uh, that character is meant to remind us of the Lord, whose name was spelled Y-H-W-H. That's the transliteration of the Tetragrammaton, very holy to Jewish people. They don't even say the word. But that Y is in reference to the Lord, the Creator, the God of Israel, So Jesus' name, Yeshua, was the Lord saves. Even before he was born into the world, in his beginning, the angel let Joseph know that this baby who was about to be born came with a purpose. He didn't find his purpose. He was born with a purpose. And at his manger... As he was born, like every other little human baby, the cross loomed. Because the way Jesus saved his people, as Matthew goes on to tell us, is by dying for us. There's a great theologian named uh, uh, Anselm of Canterbury. Long, long, long ago, about the year thousand ninety four or so, who wrote a little booklet that became extremely influential. It's called Curdios Homo, Why Did God Become Man? And Ensel, I believe guided by a big help from the Holy Spirit, explained based on scripture why the Savior had to be a man. The savior of human beings had to be a human being. His birth wasn't some freak show. It wasn't something just to mark him out as unusual. His birth as a normal human being made him qualified to fulfill his purpose. And his purpose, as his name says, was to save us. In order to save us, he had to be born. He had to be born a little baby. He had to do like little babies do. At the at the pageant, you would have seen kids running around, kids being kids. He was a sinless kid. I can't picture a sinless kid, but Jesus was a sinless kid, and, and he, he lived through childhood. It's one of the reasons Christians love children is because Jesus shows us that God loves human life from the very beginning. It's one of the reasons children are our main mission field, our initial primary mission field. Because we look upon them as precious in the Lord and we have the privilege of telling them that Jesus is their Savior and to introduce them to the gospel of the covenant. It's a great privilege because we point our little ones towards Jesus' saving purpose. and God forbid we preach them to Jesus that doesn't include his saving purpose. It's so sad when Christianity or some church somewhere reduces Jesus to some kind of role model, full stop. He is a role model. But he's a role model who has a purpose. And his purpose is actually why he was born to save us, to die for us. Like Anselm said long ago, God became a man so that God through Christ could fulfill this great saving purpose. And it doesn't stop there. Because this little baby born to save was also born to be with us. He saves us to be with him. We will be with him, he says. uh, The angel says, quoting or the Matthew quoting the prophet Isaiah says behold the virgin shall conceive and bear a son and they shall call his name Emmanuel and whenever you see the letters e l l in a name or a word that has hebrew connections that l means god y means lord l means god emmanuel this Lord, who came to save, will be with us. He will be God with us. So the saving that he does is not saving disconnected from him. He doesn't save us in some abstract sense. He saves us in order to be with us. And that's what we celebrate at Christmas. It's more than a birthday party. It is the beginning of a new creation and a radical, new, transformed relationship centered on Christ for all of us to be with him forever. And Matthew tells us all of that in the first chapter of his gospel. This baby who would live a sinless life and be a role model and teach us the truth and show us the new creation, this baby would die on a cross, be raised to new and never-ending life. And as he says at the very end of Matthew's gospel, right after he tells the disciples to go and make disciples, Right after he tells the disciples to go and baptize in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Right after he tells the disciples to make new members of this covenant family. Not through a bloodline, but through the faith line of Abraham. Right after Jesus says those words, he concludes the gospel of Matthew. And Matthew faithfully records them when he says, I will be with you always. So Matthew begins by telling us this. And he ends by telling us this. And everything in between is going to help us understand Jesus' purpose from the very beginning. And that's what we celebrate this Lord's Day. this Christmas Sunday.